0: Please be seated. I'd like to contextualize our meditation this morning with a short, a promise, an easy biblical studies lesson. There exists an entire toolbox of strategies and angles through which one can analyze a particular biblical text. If you've taken a Bible study, you're probably familiar with some of these. There are so many things that you can look at to unpack a text. You can look at the translation, the placement of the passage in the larger narrative. Ask yourself who wrote it, why they wrote it, who'd they write it to, what the historical context might be, what the theological context might be, and so on. All of those things can tell us different interpretations of what we read. Scholarship about this story in Luke tends to focus on what is called form criticism or genre criticism. What genre is the story? Now, there are two primary schools of thought here that, to me, can change the way we interpret the passage. One option is to read it as a healing story. It's a common genre in the accounts of Jesus' life that has consistencies with other stories of miracles, right? Someone comes to Jesus to be healed. He lays his hands on them, and they are healed. The other option is to read this story as more of a controversy narrative. That's what they call it, a controversy narrative, which would place the healing aspect of the story kind of at the beginning, minimize it a little bit, just using it as a means through which to bring up something controversial between Jesus and the temple leaders or the Pharisees, whoever it might be, about the law, which in this case is about the Sabbath. Now certainly Luke's audience and early Christians would be trying to reconcile which parts of the law Jesus endorsed and to what extent it should be followed while they wait for Christ's coming again. It makes sense for them to wonder what kind of actions are acceptable on the Sabbath. The Sabbath, the holy day of rest inaugurated by God at the creation of the world. Now the text from the Hebrew scripture we hear today would support probably either of these strains, but definitely that it was a controversy narrative. For this is from God himself. Isaiah says, if you refrain from trampling on the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight in the holy day of the Lord honorable if you honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interests, or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. So the Sabbath should not just be respected, but it should also be a delight, a joy, a service to God and to others. In fact, Isaiah says that to refrain from trampling on the Sabbath is to ensure that one delights in the Lord and rides upon the heights of the earth. There's a certain salvation tone to those words. What happens to us at the end of our lives, at the end of the world as we know, how we are judged, how we stand in front of God? Will we ride over the heights of the earth or will we drudge around the depths? What do we do on the Sabbath? And what does it mean that Jesus allegedly does not afford the Sabbath the honor he should as a practicing Jew? So this controversy narrative about the law, it sets us up to talk about the spirit versus the letter of the law, right? When it is acceptable to break rules, who writes the rules, or to ask whether rules are worth having in the first place. I do think there are times for conversations like that. I'm much more interested in viewing this story as a healing narrative, as a specific genre of story that centers Jesus' love for people who others refuse to love, refuse to look at, or give any amount of dignity. I think grounding a, quote, controversy narrative in a miracle of healing within that is exactly what might be needed to untangle both things at stake, which is who do we love and when is it okay to love them. For many reasons, I can say that maybe that there is a third option of form or genre in this story. I think it is a story about the kingdom of God. It is an eschatological story, which is a fancy word for describing what is yet to be, what salvation looks like. I think this for a few reasons, And indeed, I think Jesus' healing, all of them in the gospel, point to and are indeed themselves the unfolding of the very salvation Isaiah speaks of. For Isaiah shows us that the Sabbath is not for strict adherence, but rather for delight, for goodness, for expanding ourselves beyond the narrow view of self-preservation, self-saving ways, It is not to be respected so that we only concern ourselves with how we look to others or even to God. This is what God intends the Sabbath to be. A day of delight, a day of rest, a day when we acknowledge that we are bound to others, a day that asks us to step away from the hustle and bustle of providing for ourselves and understand why we need connection, love, and healing Sabbath is a delight. I think that's salvation. Now, the Greek in the gospel passage also plays with words and imagery around being bound, tied to, or roped to. Contrasted with imagery of being set free and loosed. That sounds like salvation language to me, too. Jesus tells a woman that she is set free from her ailment, and she praises God. When rebuking the temple elders, he asks if they would set their animals free for water on the Sabbath, instead of allow it to become dehydrated to the point of death. Jesus says that the woman likewise is set free from her demons, an action on the Sabbath that is acceptable to God, to set someone free, to offer salvation. Now, like every person with any kind of physical disability or ailment, this woman already has intrinsic dignity. It was not suddenly bestowed upon her or gifted to her when Jesus straightened her spine. Jesus affirms this by calling her a daughter of Abraham. That's an honorific, an honor. Someone who is faithful, dignified, and important no matter her appearance, ability, or potential differences. This is not just about Jesus trying to make her, quote, normal. It is about healing and addressing her pain while also telling her she has dignity, that she is connected, that she is worthy, and that she belongs. And that's the summation of the good news, right? The coming of the kingdom. To describe the act of healing in terms of being set free, To ride upon the heights of the earth is one way to talk about salvation, of being saved. Theologian Jürgen Moltmann draws a very clear connection between healing narratives and the coming of the kingdom. The gospel is the light which salvation throws ahead of itself, he writes. It is nothing less than the arrival of the coming of God in the word. The gospel is not a utopian description of some far off future. It is the daybreak of this future in the pardoning, promising word that sets people free. Healing is freedom. And he says that healing is salvation. This particular story of healing not only demonstrates that mercy and liberation are acceptable on the Sabbath but that healing itself is a mercy, a liberation, that it is actually the unfolding of salvation happening in our time. The next several verses of Luke 13 include parables about what the kingdom of God is like, very familiar ones, uh, the mustard seed, the leavened bread. I think the placement of this story also lends itself to be a salvation story. This story is not a random interpolation to decide what to think about the Sabbath, but it's actually just another indication of what the kingdom of God is like. It is a place and a state of being that sets us free, that heals, healing, salvation, all of them point to the kingdom. This is less of a controversy than it is of a sign or an illumination. This story is so much more than a matter of legality or even of miracles. The story is a hope and a promise that what will come to be will come to be. Healing and salvation give us evidence and hope of something better to come. Is that okay for us to think about or engage in on the Sabbath day? I believe so. We call the Sabbath a delight We call the Lord a delight, and the Lord delights in mercy. We are set free, and so we praise God. We can set others free, and we praise God with them. All these things honor the spirit in which we were created with a mind to liberation, creation, liberation, salvation. All of them reinforce the hope of the kingdom. We can debate about the genre of this passage but I think it points to something more important and more transcendent than any of those debates. It tells us what the kingdom looks like. Let us rejoice and be glad. In the name of God.